0: Well, we're uh, continuing our series on the Believer's Authority. And uh, after tonight, we'll have two more weeks of uh, the study. And oh, and then we're done for the summer. So uh, um, three more weeks. And uh, so anyway, Um, Sunday, if you recall... um, we prayed for um, Maddie's leg because she had been hurt on a trampoline and uh, they were concerned about the growth plate and so forth. Well, anyway, Monday morning she went into the doctor and they took another x-ray and uh, the doctor can't figure it out, but everything is just wonderful. So praise the Lord. So I just saw her earlier today. She ran up and gave me a hug so she's back to running around. They didn't even ground her from the trampoline. So, <laughs> praise the Lord. So anyway, that's a good report, amen. But, goes right along with what we're talking about with the believer's authority. And, uh, you know, we, we just got done singing that there's no other name but the name of Jesus. And it is, it's the most beautiful name Um, But that name really has no value unless we understand what that name represents and who that name represents. Remember when Aaron and uh, Bruce Binkley were on a mission trip down in Honduras in the mountains and in the back area they're tromping through, through the mountains or they're on foot and so forth. And they'd come across some people and they say, uh, you know Yehus, Ye- Yehus, is that how you say it? Jesus, Yesus? Jesus? Ye- Jesus? whatever Seus it was. <laughs> you know and you know him? And they say, oh, he lives right around the corner, <laughs> you know, right over here, you know, because it's, it's a popular name. Um, but as, as popular as the name is, there's something about the name when you know the person, but you have to know what that person represents. And so when we're talking about the believer's authority, we're talking about um, the power, the authority that's been given to us through Christ Jesus, through his completed works on the cross, um, our first scripture passage there: "Submit therefore to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee from you." Uh, but you know that's that's a nice passage to be able to quote. But we have to know the authority that's behind that, and what that what that truly uh, represents. Jesus gave his disciples authority. He gave the twelve authority, and. Uh, in, in Luke, the ninth chapter, in the first verse, it says, and he, speaking of Jesus, called his 12 disciples together and gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. And the thing is, is it says that he gave them authority over all. And uh, it wasn't just a select few. Uh, it was just some that were exceptions to the rule that don't qualify. He gave him authority over all. And that's what we need to recognize um, that we've been given authority over all. Uh, <clears throat> I was listening to Crefle this morning, and, and uh, at the end of his program, he had a testimony that time and shared some testimonies that had been sent in. And there's a lady from his church, she, she worked in the medical field. And. Uh, um, an individual had just died, and so she was sent in to, uh, to clean the person up and so forth, and so she had gone into the room to do that, and when she got in there, said there was just a, <clears throat> a stirring in her, in her spirit, in her heart, and she remembered what Creflo had talked about, you know, having authority, you know, to heal the sick, to raise the dead, and so on and so forth, and so she said she just simply uh, began to speak over the woman and she uncovered her feet and she put her hands on the lady's feet and, and uh, proclaimed and declared in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And so the lady sat up. And life came back into her and then they, they showed the lady that this had happened to and so forth. Now you might want to have a stirring in your spirit when you do that, you know, but before we can do it, we've got to realize that we have authority in the name of Jesus. And I think so often we would, you know, we, we don't really have a problem with praying for the sick, and, you know, a <clears throat> little more problem with casting out devils, but we, we can do that. You know, but all of a sudden, raising the dead, I mean, we're talking about a big deal here. Well, let me tell you something, with God, it's no bigger deal. And it, it's, not, it's not about us anyway, it's about Him and what He's able to do um, through us. And, and so I know that's, that's extreme, but... You know, the enemy wants to, you know, he'll, he'll tell us, we, well, you can do some of these things, but you can't, you can't raise the dead. But you know, the next step that he's gonna take is, you know, <clears throat> you know, well, maybe Earl Roberts has been able to do that when he was alive, but you'd never be able to do that, or play for, pray for the sick, or, you know, cast out a devil, or anything like that. You, 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 don't, you, don't, you don't qualify for that. Well, you know what, every one of us qualify Because it isn't based upon our abilities, it's based upon what Jesus has already done for us. And because he told us that we would and could and should do those things, um, that's what gives us the authority to be able to do it. And uh, so this this power, this authority has been given unto, unto us. And so we need to recognize that we didn't earn it. We didn't deserve it. It's, it's, it's part of the grace of God. You know, um, he also talking about mercy and grace this morning. <clears throat> mercy is, you know, it just reminded me of it. That's why it's, it's fresh in my mind. But, you know, mercy is that we don't get what we deserve. Can I hear a praise the Lord on that one? I don't, I don't want justice. You understand what I'm saying? <laughs> I do not want justice. I want mercy. And so mercy... I don't get what I deserve. Grace is I receive what I don't deserve. I don't deserve salvation. I don't deserve healing. I don't deserve the manifold graces of God to be in operation in my life. And so I've done nothing to earn it or deserve it, but it's the grace of God that's born and poured out in my heart in each and every one of our hearts. And as we read on as we spoke on Sunday, grace and mercy is and peace, it's multiplied unto us. And so wherever we are with it today, God wants it to be increased in our life. And the increase comes through the knowledge, through understanding and knowing what Christ Jesus has truly done for us, realizing that it isn't me, it's it's Jesus. It's like I told the guys Monday night at the prison, you know, we've, we've got to come to this realization it's really not about me. You know, because we get so hung up on it, because we we're we so consumed by ourselves, and what we don't realize is that's a worldly principle. But we get so consumed with ourselves that we lose sight of the fact that it's really all about Jesus. It isn't what I've done, it's what Jesus did on my behalf. And so that's where our, that's where our focus needs to be. And so, <clears throat> um, back in James 4, 7, it's, again it says resist the devil, and so we have something to do. Our part is we resist the devil. And um, that word resist, uh, it means to actively fight against. And so when temptation comes our way, because temptation is gonna come our way, it's like Brother Hagin, when somebody says, pray that I don't ever get tempted again, and he says, well, you want me to pray that you die? No, temptation is gonna come our way. But we've got to actively fight against it, or we have to rise up against it, and not give it, give it place in our, in our life. Um, Resistance is active. You know, the Bible says that we're to enter into rest. That means we, we cease from our own labors. But you know, <clears throat> it's, an, it's an active rest. It's not a rest like we lay down in our beds and we go to sleep, it's an, it's an active rest. And that active rest is involved in resisting the devil, knowing that we have power and authority, that He has absolutely no power or authority in our lives, and so we're able to resist that because He has no right to us. Jesus has those rights, and so He is a defeated foe. And so we need to come to the realization that, number one, that God's not mad at us, but there is, there is a place for, for godly anger, but it has to be directed in the, in the right direction. You know, because I've I've heard people say, I've heard I've heard people say this, and maybe some of you have experienced it yourself. You know, where where something happens, and and the individual says, you know, I'm really mad at God about this. And you know, I just want to say the problem is is you're you're wrong. You're you're mad at the wrong source. You know, because we we have a tendency to blame things upon God that God had absolutely nothing to do with. We've got to understand there are, there are laws that have been placed into motion in the earth today. There, there's physical laws, and those physical laws will work whether you believe them or not. But there's spiritual laws that have been placed in motion as well, and those spiritual laws are going to work whether we believe it or not. And so the key is we want to we we come to an understanding of how these spiritual laws work. That's, That's why the Word of God is so important to us because the Word of God reveals to us how these spiritual laws work and how they operate. And so there is a place to get mad, but but we need to get mad at the devil. We need to get mad at sickness. We need to to get mad. You know, when, when I saw Maddie Sunday morning, it made me mad. But I wasn't mad at Maddie, and I wasn't mad at God, thinking, how could you allow this to happen to this sweet little girl? I was mad that there is a destroyer out there that's to steal, kill, and destroy, and that's his, his whole purpose. That's, that's, his, that's what he exists for, to create havoc in our lives. And until we recognize that so that we resist it, and, and it, it requires an active resistance, and you know, <clears throat> Anger, when it's directed properly, is a great motivator. <laughs> you know, because it'll, it'll, it'll get the job done. And so sometimes we just, we need to just get mad at him. You know, some of you heard my little story about when we first started hearing about, you know, the devil and stuff, and, you know, we were, <clears throat> you know, when I was plumbing, I love people that just knew enough to make themselves dangerous. You know, because there would be a leaky faucet and all that it needed was a little washer changed in it. But they were gonna fix it themselves. And so by the time they were done with it and they called the plumber, we had to put in a whole new faucet. Let me tell you something, it's easier to put in a new faucet than it is to repair an old one. And so you know, take two screws out of the bottom, take the old faucet off, put the new, Fawcett didn't put tighten the screws up. Try it, and it would work. And lay there for 15 minutes because he wanted them to think he had to do something, you know, <laughs> you know. But a, but a job which would have been just simply a, uh, an office call or whatever you want to call it, a, a service call. Back then it was eighteen dollars and ninety-five cents. That's changed a little bit from then. And of course I got five dollars and forty cents of it, you know. But uh, uh, but not only did I have the service call, but we sold them a whole new faucet, hundred some bucks, you know, because they, they tore it apart themselves. You know what? <clears throat> there, there's a lot of Christians that simply know enough to make themselves dangerous because they, they, don't, they don't really know what's going on. But, you know, the exciting thing about it is, though, is that sometimes the the enthusiasm or the... Thinking you know something, well, will take you places where you would have never gone anywhere. And so we're living in Ankeny, Iowa, and we've got sickness running rampant through the house. And and I'm just I'm just I'm just fed up with it. Yeah, you, know, you ever been there where you're just fed up with puking kids? It's just you know there's just a certain point where I've just I've just had a I've just had enough of puking and pooping. Just let's let's get these orifices closed, you know and. Uh, and so I was, just, I was just irritated. And so I started to go through the house. And I, I said, I've had it. And I started going through every room in the house and casting out the devil. And you get out of here in the name of Jesus. I went through the basement. I went through the kids' room. I thought they were sleeping. They all just faked it because they were afraid. They were wondering, what in the world is this <laughs> crazy man doing? You know, and then I went to the front door so that the neighbors could know. And I opened the door and I kicked him out. Now, I'm sure I didn't accomplish a whole lot. But you know what? It was sure a lot better than yelling at God. You know, because at least I was come to the realization of who the source of our problems was. Were. Is. Was. It's right the first time. It's the disadvantage of multiple choice. Sometimes you have to try all three of them before you get the right one out for sure. You know, so... We need to know the truth and the reality of the Word of God that we might walk in the fullness of it. You know, uh, godly anger against sickness and disease, godly anger against poverty, godly anger against those bondages that come against individuals in their life. Um, We need to to get irritated with it. You know, there's so much talk about bullying today the number one bully that ever was is the devil. And he doesn't play fair. But you know, uh, believe it or not, even back in the 50s and 60s, there were bullies around. Uh, we had a different way of handling bullies back then. You know, but we won't go into that because that would be a lawsuit. You know, but, uh, but the enemy is a bully. And I, and I found something out about bullies. When bullies are confronted, they back down. When they're confronted, they back down because down deep inside, they're just a coward. And that's why they push around people because they're trying to convince themselves there's something when they're not. And so when they're confronted, they back down. You know how you get the devil to back down? You confront him. He's nothing but a bully. And so, when you take the Word of God and you get in His face with the Word of God, He will back down, resist the devil, and He will. He'll flee from you. Um, in Matthew, the 11th chapter, Matthew, the 11th chapter, speaking of John the Baptist in the 12th verse, it says. And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violent violence, and the violent take it by force. You know, I think sometimes that passage is a little bit confusing, but you know what? There is a time where we get violent, if you will, with the adversary when he's trying to keep the blessings of God away from you, those things which belong to you, those things that, which are intended for you, there's a time to rise up and say, you know what, I am not going to, I am not going to put up with this any longer. Um, we, don't, we don't plead with the devil to leave. We tell him. We've been given authority to tell him what to do? Right now, I'm reading uh, one of the autobiographies of General Patton, one of my heroes. And uh, um, you know, he, he, was, he was so bold it, it got him into all kinds of trouble. But the thing about it was, um, he knew his authority, and he knew his position as far as the military was concerned. And he wasn't afraid to throw his weight around. You know, especially when he had gotten orders from Eisenhower, he was ready to run with it the moment that he got those orders. And you know what? <clears throat> we may not have got our orders from Eisenhower, but we got our orders from King Jesus. We got our orders from the Holy Ghost. We got our orders from Father God. And if Patton could be bold and confident, because of natural orders that he received from a a physical leader. How much bolder and how much more confident we ought to be knowing whom we get our orders from. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Now there's two sides to the coin because I think oftentimes what people want to do is they just just want to um, resist the devil. But there's another side to the coin. Submit, therefore, to God. You know, and like I've said before, the thing that I found out about it was, you know, when I realized submitting, therefore, to God, and I began to practice that, I had to do a whole lot less resisting the devil. Because when I submit to God, his will is going to be an operation in my life, and the enemy then is automatically going to begin to back off. And so there's two sides to the coin. You know, there's the submitting to God, and we all ought to be in that position, amen? But if we don't realize the authority that we have, you know, over the years, I've, I've had the privilege of, of, of knowing um, some really fantastic believers. I mean, even here in Jefferson, Iowa, some old-time Christians and just wonderful men and women. I had the opportunity to, to know and, and spend time fellowshipping with them and so forth. And, uh, and they knew God. Uh, they knew uh, Jesus and the Holy Ghost in an intimate way. But you know what? They suffered with a lot of sickness in their life. They, they suffered with a lot of lack in their life. And, and they... They sought after God, but what they they didn't realize, and because there was a lack of teaching in their life, they didn't realize that they were the ones that had authority to speak to the sickness and disease and command it to go. They were the ones that had the authority to speak to poverty and lack and demand it to get out of their life and begin to practice the principles of God. You know, sometimes we have this idea that if I just practice the principles, I believe in the, in the principle of sowing and reaping. I believe in tithing. I believe in it with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my strength. I, I, I started tithing from the moment that we got saved. I don't even know why, because the church we were in didn't even teach on it. But I saw it in the scripture and we began to, we began to practice it. But you know what, I know people that tithe, but they don't understand the other part of it, that's to me is submitting therefore to God. They don't understand the resisting the devil part of it. They don't understand having an expectation because I sow a seed, there's gonna be a harvest that comes back to me, that there isn't an expectation. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. If I give tithes and offerings, I give it in faith. And therefore, there is an expectation. Not because I give to receive. I give because I want to sow into the kingdom. But there ought to be an expectation of return that goes along with that. And I also need to realize that there is somebody out there that's trying to hinder that return from coming back to me. And that's our adversary, the devil, because he knows that if you're blessed, you're gonna give more into the kingdom. So what does he wanna do? He wants to hinder you. He wants to hinder the return from coming back to you. He's not gonna try to stop you to give because you can give, and if you have no expectations, it's not gonna produce a whole lot. Oh, there'll be a little bit, but not what there ought to be. You know, maybe you'll get a, a 10 or a 20. I want a 30, 60, 100-fold. Do you realize as believers, we all ought to be believing for a 100-fold return, but you know what? Well, you know, some get a 30, some get a 60, some get a 100. I think at the most I'm probably a 30 year. No, that's a lie from the pit of hell. You're a 100-folder. That means it's supposed to come back to you in abundance, that you have an overflow of abundance. Why? So that you can give more into the kingdom of God. And so the enemy the two sides of it. Yes, we submit to God. But then we also have to realize that there's the resisting that goes along with it because He wants to keep us from experiencing the abundance that truly belongs to us. Mark 1.25, uh, it says concerning the devil, uh, or concerning uh, when he was tempted in the wilderness, um, Actually, I'm wrong with that too. He was was ministering to this individual and this demon manifested himself and he rebuked the demon and the demon tried to speak up and what did he do? He told it to be quiet. We have to realize that we have authority and we need to use that authority uh, in our lives and with those around us so that we experience the fullness of what God's made available to us. Let's turn back to Philippians, the second chapter. Philippians, the second chapter in the ninth verse. It's talking about Jesus, and it says, Therefore God has highly exalted him and given him a name that's above every other name. It's above cancer. It's above heart disease. It's above lack. The name of Jesus is above every other, every other name. But you know, it's, it's like anything else. If we, don't, if we don't put it above every other name, you know, how is it going to manifest its authority? And so, therefore God has highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every other name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of those in heaven and those on earth and those under the earth. And that every tongue should confess Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And so covers everything uh, on the earth, above the earth, and under the earth. In other words, it covers everything. Everything is under the name of Jesus. And so anything that you can think of, it is under the name of Jesus. But listen, listen to this. Listen to this from from Psalms 138. I know you don't have to listen too hard because it's right there in your notes. But I kind of like to read it out of the Bible. Psalm 138, verse 2, and it says, I will worship towards your holy temple and praise your name and your loving kindness and your truth for you, have magnified your word above all your names. Why is the word so important? It says that his word has been magnified, has been exalted, lifted above all of God's names. Well, isn't that something? You know, uh, I'm reading through uh, Rick Renner's um, "Golden Nuggets." I think that's the title of it. Whatever it's called, his new one, huh? Party gems. 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 Yeah, <laughs> the new one. Well, they're a bunch of golden nuggets. Let me tell you. <laughs> and uh, I, I'm I've I've read ahead about six days because of the topic, and he is talking about end times and the signs of the end time, and how um, language and, and uh, pride and all of these things come into play. And, and a lot of the, the, the pride is intellectual pride and so forth. and, and I, d- I just think it's so interesting in the church today, in segments of it, where we have what I lovingly refer to as the Jew wannabes. They want to return back to the old practices and so forth. And, and they, like to really, they really like to emphasize the, the names. And if you're going to use the names, you've got to use it in the original language. You know, Elohim and Jehovah Jireh and and all that, but, but that's what's really. God says. I'm not saying this. God says. He's elevated his word above his names. Now, if I'm going to be really technical about this, I think there's one name that is not elevated above. Because this is prior to the death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. But Jesus and the word are one. But you know what's interesting about that is you can't really, you won't elevate the name of Jesus to the position that it belongs if you don't know the word. Because if you don't know the word, you don't don't know what Jesus represents. Jesus represents healing. Jesus represents provision. Jesus represents deliverance. Jesus represents wholeness. Jesus represents everything that the word is. We find that in Jesus. But you know, the victory is in Him. And so, again, this takes us back to why the Word of God is so important to us. It reveals to us what has truly been accomplished for us. See, without the Word, we'll never walk in authority. Without the Word, we'll never experience the, uh, the magnitude of power that we're to experience, and what we're supposed to have in our lives. It's, it's the Word that's going to produce it. You know, and, 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 and so when we, when we pray, it's, it's, not, it's not the act of prayer. It's the authority that's involved in the, in the prayer when we demand, when we exert the authority that's been invested in us. You won't find in the New Testament um, after the death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus people asking, people begin to demand. They begin to speak. You know, we talked about it a little bit last week, how the commands that were given to us as a church, it wasn't We weren't told to go out and pray. We were told to go out and to heal the sick. Why why were we told to heal the sick? Because we're the ones with the authority to speak out and see the sick healed. We weren't told to pray for demons to come out of people. We were told to cast out devils. And we do that with the authority that we have in the name of Jesus. Psalms 89, verse 34, it says, My covenant I will not break, nor alter the word that has gone out of my lips. This is God speaking to us, and He says, My covenant, the covenant that He's made with us, He says, I will not break it, and I will not alter the word that comes out of my mouth. This is, this word is as if it came directly out of God's mouth because it was, it was by inspiration. Holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. And so this was given to us by the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And so this is the word of God that has been given to us. And he says, he will not alter his word. You know, and so we, we find again within the church, all over the place where They're they're trying to alter the word. They're trying to say that it doesn't mean exactly what it means. Let me tell you something, the word means what it says. When the Bible says that you are a brand new creation in Christ Jesus, you are a brand new creation in Christ, notice I'm smiling. You know, because people sometimes when I raise my voice, they think I'm mad. I'm not mad, I'm just kind of exciting. So I just want you to know that it's a happy excitement. You know, know, the Bible says that we are the righteousness of God in Christ that shall not be altered because God spoke it, God meant it, God sealed it by the Holy Spirit and it changeth not us. It's the same, yesterday, today, and forever. But you know what? We have to be convinced of it. And oftentimes we're not. And that's why it's so important that we take the word and we, we, we guard what we hear. Well, pastor, don't you think we should be open-minded? No. No. You know, and maybe it's age, I don't know. But I'm I'm more closed minded. But yet at the same time, I'm more open. But where the word of God is concerned, I'm very closed minded. Now I'm I'm open to correction through the word, but I, I could I could care less what somebody's opinion is. That means absolutely nothing to me. You know, but, but the word of God is a different subject, and you know what, he, he's constantly dealing with me and things in my life. I mean, <clears throat> you, you take my notes, Well, actually you've got some CDs out there. If you take my CDs from, from five years ago to now, you're gonna, you're gonna see a mirac- miraculous difference. <clears throat> you know what's wonderful about it is, is I can take my notes from five years ago and I can preach them again and it comes out totally different because I believe differently than I did five years ago. <laughs> it's so wonderful. <laughs> but see, all of us, we're growing and we're, we're going to continue to do so until Jesus comes back. But let me tell you something concerning being open-minded to hear something that is going to contradict that has been a basic foundational truth in your life. Turn it off. Don't listen to it. It's a bunch of bunk. Hebrews 1:3. Who being the brightness of his glory and the expressed image of his person and upholds all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself perjured sin, sat down at the right hand of majesty on high, having become so much better than the angels. But what I want us to see there is that he sat down, he upholds everything by the word of his power, but he sat down at the right hand of Father God on high, and the reason that he did that is because he's done. And again, we're, we're expecting God to do something and he's already done it. And he's put within us, he's given us the authority, the power to speak, to, to deal with every circumstance, every situation that we encounter. But you know, oftentimes we, we listen to the lie, we, we don't see ourselves as being um, qualified. You're qualified. Religion disqualifies you. Christianity qualifies you. Religion will tell you what you can't do. Christianity, a relationship with Jesus, tells you what you can do and what you need to do and what you must do to live the victorious life. But religion, what it does is it lays rules and regulations on you. And so with the rules and regulations, we don't, none of us measure up. And so every one of us then, we're disqualified. And so we walk around allowing the enemy to raise havoc in our life, bring death and destruction. And we wonder why somebody doesn't do anything about it. And then ultimately, we, ultimately what happens is we get mad at God. You know, I, I I'm so I'm so thankful for my upbringing. I and mean, I was raised in the church. I didn't hear the I didn't hear the gospel. After I was saved, I heard the gospel in that same church. So the problem wasn't so much with the church as it was with me. But I thank God for my heritage, um, because even though it talked about judgment and, the, and so forth. I never got pushed over to the extreme where I, where I felt like God was, God didn't like me. Even as a sinner, I thought he liked me. <laughs> Don't ask me why. But I, I guess it was that old German preacher that I had up in Ewington, Minnesota. Um, where was I going with that? I have no idea, but uh, oh, but, I, but I've heard people talk about how, when something happens, how they got, how they got mad at God. I can honestly say, I don't, I don't remember being mad at God. I I, I may have been, but I, I don't, I don't, I don't remember it. And I think the reason for that is, is I, had a, I was raised in an environment that I had just a tremendous respect and honor for God. I was trained to go in that direction. So I, so I had a fear of God. But it wasn't a terror of God. It wasn't the fear that God was going to destroy me. I had a fear of dying because I didn't have... Confidence that I was saved, but I didn't. I, I but but I had this awe of God, and so I can honestly say I don't think I've ever been been mad at God. And so what that's done for me, it's it's always helped me to direct my anger, that attention in the right direction. And it was to recognize that there was there was an evil one. You know, back in in the. 50s and 60s, when I went through um, Sunday school and catechism and so forth, um, we knew there was a devil. <laughs> Nobody wants to talk about the devil anymore, but we, we knew that there was a devil, and uh, we knew that there was a heaven, and we knew that there was a hell, and so our, our fear was always directed towards the devil, and it was directed towards, towards hell. But see, that's where the fault came in, is is that we don't have to fear the devil because he has no authority in our life. And so the more confident we become in God, the more assured we are of the victory that's truly ours. And the thing about it is, is when we have that confidence, and this is where, in your notes, Romans 3.27 comes in. It says, where is the boasting then? It is, a, is it excluded by what law of works? No, but by the law of faith. So when we realize that we're walking in faith, that our trust and our confidence is, is confidently, con, completely in Jesus. You know what, as a Christian, <clears throat> if we have an understanding of this, we will never look down our holy pointy, pointy nose at anybody. Because we'll realize that our, our holiness, our saintliness, who we are, it is totally, totally dependent upon Jesus. That it's, it, has, it has nothing to do with me. You know, the fact that I'm up here this evening being the one preaching has, has nothing to do with me. Oh yeah, I had to be obedient, and I had to be, be willing to, uh, to yield, to submit, and so forth. But it had everything to do with the fact that, that I was born again through Jesus Christ, I was baptized in the Holy Ghost, and I was anointed to preach by the same Holy Ghost. That's the only reason that I'm able to be up here before you tonight. And so whatever we do as a Christian, we, we don't have anything to brag about because it's not about anything that we've done, it's about everything that Jesus has done in our life. And you know what? That's a tough thing for Christians to get a hold of. You know, because whether we like it or not, we fall into the same snare that the world falls into, that we want to categorize everything. We want to look uh, upon ourselves as achieving something of, of elevating ourselves. But when we realize what Jesus has truly done for us, we begin to give Him full credit for everything, and we begin to look to him, and to, to him alone. Um, Roman numeral nine in notes, it says, if you're ignorant of God's word, then you won't be very effective in experience or, or exercising your authority, because Satan will talk you out of it. Ever been there? <laughs> <laughs> From what Sarah says, I have a feeling maybe she had somebody trying to talk her out of it. You know. But but I've been there. You're, you're convinced you know what the will of God is. And you hesitate. And these thoughts begin to come. And the thoughts begin to tell you all the consequences. But you know what? When we know the word of God, and, and you, you have this thought, go over there and lay hands on that person and cast that that spirit of infirmity out of them in the name of Jesus. And when you know that the word stands behind you, the name of Jesus is, is invested in you, you go and do it. But if you don't do it, the enemy begins to talk. If you don't have confidence in the word, he'll talk you out of it. He'll talk you out of it every single time. And so we need to know what the word of God says. 1 John 5, 14 and 15, it says, now this is the confidence See, our confidence isn't in ourselves. But this is the confidence that we have in him. That if we ask anything according to his will. Well, pastor, that's where I have a problem. I'm not sure what his will is. Well, it's right here. You know, sometimes we call it his last will and testament. But this is his will. This is his spoken word. To you and I. It reveals His will. And so, getting back to this verse, it says, and this is the confidence that we have in Him. Then when we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. You know what? We're going to have confidence that every time we speak, God hears us. Why is that so important? Because His answer to us is always yes and amen. Yes, so be it. I remember riding with Pastor Illion one time to a meeting, and he said to me, He says, You know, Dave, I, I finally got it figured out. This is when I was, before I was in the ministry I was doing his church. And he says, uh, I've got it figured out why sometimes we don't see the things we pray for. Sometimes God says yes, and sometimes God says no. And I thought, Oh, I guess that makes sense. But then I read the Bible. Amen. The Bible doesn't say that. It says with God, the promises, the answer is always. Not sometime, not most of the time. Always, yes and amen. And so when we ask according to His will, we have the confidence that we have what we've asked for because God's response to us is always going to be yes and amen. And if we know that He hears us, Whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we've asked of Him. Why? Because we ask according to His will. We ask according to His word. So on, on, on Sunday, when we prayed for Maddie, we, we used uh, 1 Peter 2.24. And it says, who Himself bore sins in His body on a tree, that we having died to sin, might live to righteousness, by whose stripes we've been healed. So we can have confidence in that. By his stripes, we have, past tense, been healed. And so when we, when, when we, see, when we see somebody with a sickness in their body, we see them sick. We see them infirmed. God doesn't see them that way. God sees them healed. God sees them whole. Because he's not looking at the natural. He's looking at what's been achieved in the spiritual. And you know, we, because we're in the natural, in in this world, we still have a tendency to look at people and circumstances in the natural. But what we need to do is we need to get beyond seeing it in the physical, and we need to see it through spiritual eyes. We need to see a, a person that has sickness in their body or a, an issue in their life. We need to see them through the eyes of faith. We need to see them whole. We need to see them delivered. We need to see that what God's will is for their life. And see, that's what's so important is that we, we know what his will is. And once again, oftentimes our, our, our big, biggest battle is the religion that's been planted in our lives in the past. You know, <clears throat> when I began to get a hold of the word of faith message, I, I, I began to realize something. Faith is easy. Romans ten seventeen, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Faith is easy. What's difficult, is unlearning the false teachings, the misconceptions, the errors concerning faith. You know, I've been taught, you, know, you just never know about God. You know, sometimes He might heal you and sometimes He won't. You just, you just never know. You know, it's kind of like you know, if you want to get healed, make sure you catch God when He got out of the right side of the bed in the morning. You know, you just never knew about God. You know, <clears throat> You know, I remember when I graduated from Bible school. Well, you know, just know this. God will keep you poor and humble. You know, and so, you know, get ready because you're, you're going to probably eat a lot of chicken. You know, because, you know, people in church don't have much money and so they'll, you know, to, to, to bless you, they'll give you a chicken. Well, we had farmers that gave us stuff. They gave us hogs. It was beef, you know, and, and but but you know what? We had to overcome that, and you know what? You have to overcome that in your own life. You know because well you know I. I mean I, I've I've heard I've heard people say this. Well you know, I don't. I don't I don't want to have too much, you know, and you know I I might, you know, stop depending upon God, and well that's 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 that's. That's an issue you need to deal with, you know, because God wants to put more in your life. You know, I, I don't know where the scripture is. Somebody probably knows, but, but I love the scripture in the Old Testament. You can tell it's Old Testament because they're, they're not renewed in their thinking. And he, and, he, and he says, and I think it's in the Psalms or the Proverbs, I don't remember which. And he says, <clears throat> you know, Lord, um, don't give me too little that I go out and steal, <laughs> but don't give me too much that I forget about you. That's Schroeder's paraphrase. Yeah. Yeah, And and see, you know what? As born-again believers, we still have philosophy. But you know what? I'm a born-again believer. If I don't have enough, I'm not going to go out and steal. I'm going to believe God. You know what? And if I have more than enough, I'm not going to forget about God. I'm going to keep a thankful heart, and I'm going to give more. But see that old religious thinking, it'll hold us back. Third John 2, 35 years ago. Um, I think it would have been the first Sunday in, January, or in July, the first Sunday that I preached at Abundant Life Ministries, this was my foundational text. Third John 2, beloved, I pray that you may prosper and be in health just as your soul prospers. I pray, I think the King James Version says, I desire that you may prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. He wants us to prosper, he wants us to be in health. But notice the condition, just as your soul, your mind, your will, and your emotions. You know, we can't walk in something that we're not aware of. It's already a part of us, it's already in us, but we can't draw from it until we realize that it's been provided for us. That's why John 10.10 is so important. We talked about it on Sunday. The thief has come but for to steal, to kill, and destroy. But Jesus says, I've come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. And, and Sunday I read from the Amplified to the Phil to the overflow. I love that. God wants us to be blessed to the overflow, that we are such a blessing to those around us because we're we're continually spilling over on them. You know, just think about it. You know, giving ceases to be a burden when it's the overflow, when it's just constantly overflowing in our life. But, We have to realize the authority that we have in the name of Jesus that we speak out and we walk in the fullness of it. You know, uh, in your notes, um, it talks about the woman with the issue of blood and uh, how she was blessed above and beyond because she was determined uh, to receive. I think we need to be determined. You know, that's one of the things about Understanding the authority that we have, there is, a, there, is a, there is a determination, and there needs to be a determination that we manifest the will of God in the earth. And that isn't going to happen in any other way than than through us as, as believers. Let me read this one last passage, and it's just because I love it. It probably isn't going to fit into where I've gotten to at this point, but uh Ephesians 1, 18 and 20. No, it does because this is what what needs to happen if we're going to walk in authority. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling. We need to be enlightened to know what is the hope of his calling. Every one of us, every one of us are called to live a victorious life. You know, uh, I believe in predestination because the scripture says so. But I believe that we're all predestined to be saved. And, uh, and with that comes, you know, the idea. You know, and this is what religion does to us again. Well, some of us are just, you know, we're just designed to be a clay pot. You know, we're, we're, we're not a vessel of honor. We're just a clay pot. Well, you need to get over the clay pot mentality because every one of us has been called to be a vessel of honor. I tell you, you're, you're, the, you're the temple of the Holy Ghost. That means you are a vessel that holds the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, We're talking about God here. You're a vessel that holds God. You're gonna tell me that he's called you to be a vessel of dishonor? No, that's a lie right out of the pit. But see, we've accepted that once again. And so we need to see who we really are. And he says for us to see that, the eyes of our understanding being enlightened that we may know what is the hope of his calling And what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? And that's each and every one of us. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe? We got any believers here tonight? Well then we qualify. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the working of his mighty power which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead? And seated him in his right hand in heavenly places. Why? Because he's done. And he's given us the authority to carry out his plan and his will on the earth. Now that's good news. Amen. Amen. You're blessed. Edward and Sarah, come up here. Guess we won't get to pray for him on Sunday. Elders that are present you can come and pastors. Terry, you might as well come up here too. Isn't just really cool to have our missionaries home at the same time. I don't know the last time that happened. Father, we thank you for this couple. We thank you for the anointing that's upon their lives. We thank you, Father, that none of the attempts of the enemy to stop or slow down what they're doing is going to prosper in any way, shape, or form, for they are the blessed of the Lord. And so, Father, we just come into a place of agreement with them that everything that they put their hands to will prosper. Father, they are blessed in their going outs and their coming in. Father, we thank you that the vision that you've given them is for this season and that even now you're expanding that. And so, Father, we just pray that you will continue to guide and direct them. And, Father, we pray that every desire that's in their heart will be fulfilled and come to fruition in Jesus' name. So, Father, we thank you that they're a light in a nation that has darkness and when they come in the light does shine and so we just pray that you would continue to guide them and direct and protect them from any danger any attacks of the enemy that they'd be victorious in every way spiritually emotionally socially financially every area of their life father and as they continue to give you all the praise and the glory We thank you that the name of Jesus will be lifted up in Honduras. Father, to your glory, in Jesus' name, amen. 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 Hallelujah.